...forces were ineffectual and only served to increase the rage of the vast hordes now advancing upon Madison Square. The Fifth Avenue Hotel would be the first to feel the fury of the mob. Would the troops be in time to save it? A half-cheer, a half-cry of joy goes up. It is inarticulate. Men draw a long breath. Women drop upon their knees and strain their eyes. They can hear something, but they cannot see as yet for the gas houses and electric plants had been destroyed by the mob early in the evening. They preferred to fight in the dark or by the flames of rich men's abodes. Again a cheer goes up, louder and clearer this time, followed by cries of, They're coming! They're coming! Yes, they were coming. The 22nd down Broadway, the 7th down Madison Avenue, both on the double quick. In a moment or so, there were a few bugle calls and a few spoken commands rang out clear and sharp. And then the two regiments stretched across the entire square, literally from wall to wall in line of battle. The mob was upon them. Would this slender line of troops, could it hold such a mighty mass of men in check? The answer was a deafening discharge of firearms, a terrific crack, such as some thunderbolts make when they explode. A wall of fire blazed across the square. Again and again it blazed forth. The mob halted, stood fast, wavered, fell back, advanced again. At that moment there came a rattle as of huge knives in the distance. It was the gallant 71st charging up 23rd Street and taking the mob on the flank. They came on like a wall of iron bristling with blades of steel. There were no outcries, no cheers from the regiment. It dealt out death in silence, save when two bayonets crossed and clashed in bearing down some doubly vigorous foe. As the bells rang out midnight, the last remnants of the mob were driven to cover, but the wheels of the dead wagons rattled till daybreak. And then the aged governor, in response to the mayor's, Thank God we've saved the city, made answer. Aye. But the Republic. Chapter 2 Great as has been the world's wonder at the uprising of Mr. Bryan's struggling masses in the city by the sea, and the narrow escape of its magnificent homes from fire and brand, yet greater still was the wonderment when the news was flashed across the land that chicago did not stand in need of a single federal soldier chicago was mad but it is the madness of joy chicago is in the hands of a mob but it is a mob made up of her own people noisy rude and boisterous the natural exultation of a suddenly enfranchised class but bent on no other mischief than glorying over the villainous and self-seeking souls who have ground the faces of the poor and turned the pitiless screw of social and political power into the hearts of the common people until its last thread had been reached and despair pressed its lupine visage hard against the door of the laboring man. And yet, at this moment, when the night air quivered with the mad vociferations of the common people, that the Lord had been good to them, that the wicked money-changers had been driven from the temple, that the stony-hearted usurers were beaten at last, that the people's William was at the helm now, that peace and plenty would in a few moons come back to the poor man's cottage, that silver was king, 
Aye, king at last. The world still went wondering why red-eyed anarchy, as she stood in Haymarket Square with thin arms aloft, with wild mien and wilder gesticulation, drew no bomb of dynamite from her bosom to hurl at the hated minions of the law who were silent spectators of this delirium of popular joy. Why was it thus? Look and you shall know why white-robed peace kept step with this turbulent band and turned its thought from red-handed pillage. He was there, the master spirit to hold them in leash. He and he alone had lifted Brian to his great eminence. Without these twenty-four electoral votes, Brian had been doomed, hopelessly doomed. He and he alone held the great commonwealth of the West hard and fast in the democratic line. Hence he came as conqueror, as kingmaker.